Thank you again, Glenn and Barb. I'm going to invite you to uh, now take your Bibles and turn to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 8. We are making our way through this book, uh, passage by passage, and we're going to begin reading at verse 6 of Revelation 8, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. Uh, This section uh, begins what are known as the seven trumpets. We're going to cover the uh, first four trumpets, Lord willing, this morning. And this section is making one main point. So if you only take one thing out of here this morning, the one point of this section of Revelation is very simply, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Now, if we are believers in Christ, we are ready for that day. And we should look forward to that day with great anticipation because the Catechism reminds us that on that day, Jesus will judge all of his enemies and ours and will take us to himself into the joy of eternal life. And so, as Christians, we look forward to that day. But if we are not believers in Christ, we are not ready. We are not ready for that day. And so on the one hand, as we make our way through the trumpets over the next few weeks, the the trumpets should encourage the believer. But on the other hand, they should uh, warn with the most serious of warnings, the one who is not a believer in Christ. And so Revelation chapter 8, beginning at verse 6. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain, burning with fire, was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter." The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. September 11th, 2001, most of us who were living at that time can remember exactly what we were doing when we heard the news that there was a terrorist attack upon our nation. Two days after that, John MacArthur, who was a pretty well-known evangelical pastor, appeared on the Larry King show, and Larry King asked John MacArthur a question. He said, what is the lesson that we are meant to learn from this act of terrorism. Here was MacArthur's answer. The lesson we are meant to learn is this. You're going to die, and you're not in control of when. It's a great answer. You're going to die, and you're not in control of when. And, of course, the implication of that is, are you prepared? Are you prepared for the day of your death? 
You might remember that in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 13, there was an occasion when Jesus talks about something that had happened in a place called Siloam. Siloam was in the southeast corner of Jerusalem. And what had happened, according to Jesus in Luke 13, is that a tower had fallen and killed 18 people. Why did that happen? Were those people worse than other people? Had they, had they done something really bad to deserve being crushed by a tower? You might remember what Jesus said. He said the message of that tower tragedy was this. Unless you repent, you too will all perish. In other words, you need to be prepared for death. We live in a day when we are connected to just about every piece of news information that is out there. All the major news that takes place today, natural disasters, other calamities, we know about them almost as soon as they happen. Earthquakes, tsunamis, terrorist attacks, plane crashes, mass shootings. What should we think about those things? Should, should things like those things make us think, you know, those people must have been really bad to deserve that. Those people in Turkey must have been really bad to deserve that earthquake that took the lives of so many people. Tragedies like these and, and, and the things that we will see here in the first four trumpets should remind us that death is coming for us all. Natural disasters are not a time to wonder, were those people really wicked sinners to deserve that? The natural disasters we hear about in the news and the, and the terrorist things and all the other things that we hear about and read about and see on TV, all of those things should remind us that death is coming for all of us. All of us one day will stand before the judge. Are you ready. Remember, I told you this a couple weeks ago, everything in this section of Revelation revolves around one question. It's the question at the end of chapter 6, the great day of God's wrath has come, who can stand? Who is able to stand on that day when the Lord Jesus returns? Now, before we get into our passage this morning, one of the things that stands out in Revelation is the use of the number seven. You, you may have seen that already as we've made our way through this book. In chapters two and three, there are seven letters to seven churches. In chapter five, there's a scroll that's sealed with seven seals. Here in chapter eight, there are seven trumpets. In chapter 15, there are seven angels and seven plagues. And in chapter 16, there are seven bowls. Why all the use of the number seven? Well, in the Bible, the number seven is symbolic of fullness or, or completeness. And, and therefore, many scholars believe that the seven churches and seven seals and seven trumpets and seven plagues and seven bowls are a way of, of looking at the, the fullness of history from different perspectives. In, in other words, Revelation is, is telling us what we can expect in this life. Whether we live in the first century or the 21st century, Revelation is saying this is what you can expect life on this earth to be like. And it's telling it from a number of different perspectives. 
It's telling us that from the perspective of the seven churches. It's telling us that from the perspective of the seven seals, from the perspective of the seven trumpets, and so on. That's what this is doing. Scholars call this, to use a fancy word, recapitulation. It just means repetition. In a sense, Revelation is repeating the same kinds of things that we will see on this earth just from different perspectives. You can kind of picture it like um, uh, being at a basketball game. Let's say that you're at a, at a Golden State Warriors game and you're there and, and you also have a friend who's also at the game, but you're sitting in different places. Your friend is sitting up in the, in the second level all the way in the, kind of the corner of the arena and, and you're sitting down on the first level, about five rows back, right at center court. And, and you're rooting for one team down here, and your friend is rooting for another team up there. You and your friend are watching the same game. Same teams, same players, same results, but you're watching the game from a different perspective. How you view the game will be different than how your friend views the game. That's kind of what we see here in the seven seals and the seven trumpets. It's looking at the same things, but from a different perspective. When it comes to the seven seals, the the seven seals are looking at life from the perspective of the believer, from your perspective, Christian. And it's meant, the seven seals are meant to give you comfort. But when it comes to the seven trumpets that we will start this morning, the seven trumpets are looking at life from the perspective of the unbeliever. And it's meant to serve as a warning. Two different perspectives on the same exact thing. So keep that in mind as we make our way through this book. Revelation is not given to us so that we can match up all the symbolism in the book with the events of our day. That's not why we have this book. Revelation is giving us a glimpse of what to expect throughout history leading up to the return of Christ just from different perspectives. This morning we get into the seven trumpets. And before we get into our passage, it's uh, probably helpful to have a little theology of trumpets. What does the Bible teach about trumpets? As I mentioned to you last week, uh, in the Old Testament, trumpets were used as a warning that judgment was coming. The the greatest example of this in the Old Testament is the fall of Jericho in the book of Joshua. Children, uh, you probably remember that story, right? God, God said to Joshua, Joshua, I want you and your army to march around the city of Jericho once a day for six days. And I want seven priests, each one of them carrying a trumpet. I want those priests to lead the way. And as you go around the city, I want the seven priests to blow their trumpets. And so they did that for six days. And then God said, okay, on the seventh day, I want you all to march around the city seven times and once again blow the trumpets. And children, you remember what happened, right? God's people Marched around the city seven times, they blew their trumpets, the people shouted, and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down, crashing down. Those trumpets were a warning of God's impending judgment. There are other examples of this in the Old Testament as well. Gideon is another example. We see something similar in the New Testament. Think of how the, um, 
Uh, second coming of Christ is described in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. Trumpets are a warning, a warning to the unbelieving world. Now, when you look at the first four trumpets, we're only going to cover the first four this morning, there is a common theme. And that common theme is the instability in the created order. Notice what we're told here. The first trumpet's in verse 7. Trumpet's blown. There's hail and fire mixed with blood. A third of the earth burned up. A third of the trees burned up. All the grass burned up. Second trumpet, verses 8 and 9, something like a, a great mountain is on fire and thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turns to blood. A third of the sea creatures die. A third of the ships are destroyed. Third trumpet, verses 10 and 11, a great star falls from heaven. It falls on a third of the rivers, and a third of the waters become undrinkable, and many people die. And then the fourth trumpet, verse 12, a third of the sun is struck, a third of the moon, a third of the stars, and there's darkness. You get the point, right? There's a lot of destruction. There's a lot of damage to the earth, the trees, the grass, the sea, the rivers, the celestial bodies. What is this all about? What is this intending to teach us this morning? Well, I want you to see, I want you to think about two things in relation to the first four trumpets. First of all, I want you to notice the parallel between this, the first four trumpets, and something that happened in the Old Testament. Specifically, it's the parallel between what's being described here in Revelation chapter 8 and the plagues that God sent upon Egypt in the book of Exodus. I imagine that as soon as the Apostle John saw this vision of the first four trumpets, he immediately thought of the plagues of Egypt. Think about the parallels. In the first trumpet, hail and fire are thrown down upon the earth. In Exodus chapter 9, we read this about the seventh plague, Moses stretched out his staff toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and fire ran down to the earth, and the Lord rained hail down upon the land of Egypt. There was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, very heavy hail, such had never been in all the land of Egypt before. How about the second and third trumpets? In those, the the sea becomes blood. The waters suffer great damage. Sounds very, very similar to the first plague that God sent upon Egypt, right, children? God turns the Nile River to blood. In the fourth trumpet, the the sun and moon and stars are struck, and there's darkness, which sounds a lot like the ninth plague. Exodus chapter 10 says, Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. I think we're meant to see this parallel. I think we're meant to put two and two together and say that that just as God sent the plagues upon Egypt as a warning of his coming judgment, a warning to Pharaoh to repent, to turn from his wicked ways, to, to let God's people go. If not, a worse judgment would befall him. It's much the same with the first four trumpets. The destructive and, and devastating events that we see all throughout history are a warning to repent. 
It's a warning to turn to God through Jesus Christ before it is too late. You know, when you think about it, you, you see throughout history the destruction that is described in these first four trumpets. In the area in which we live, we, we know all too well of the great devastation that fire can bring. In November of 2018, a wildfire known as the Camp Fire took the lives of 85 people, destroyed over 18,000 structures, and decimated the, the town of Paradise. What about hail? As I was leaving church last Sunday morning, maybe you saw this too, it was hailing. It wasn't big hail, a little irritating, it was not that big of a deal. But did you know that in 1986, in Bangladesh, April of 1986, 92 people were killed in a hailstorm, where the hailstorms were the size of grapefruits and weighed over two pounds each. Think about the devastation and loss of life caused by earthquakes. There have now been over 50,000 confirmed deaths from the recent earthquake in Turkey. Think of a lack of drinking water. Several million people die every year from, from malnutrition and dehydration. And then there's darkness. Many of us don't like the dark, right, children? You're maybe at one point in your life afraid of the dark. That's kind of natural. Medieval historian Michael McCormick was once asked, what was the worst year in history to be alive? And McCormick's answer was 536 A.D., that year, a mysterious fog struck Europe, the Middle East, and much of Asia, and it was completely dark, day and night, complete darkness for 18 months. 18 months. The point is that you can look all throughout history, in our present day and, and even hundreds of years ago, and, and you can see these kind of, of cataclysmic events that, that bring great destruction upon this earth. And when we see these things, when we read them in a newspaper, when we see them on TV, when we hear of these things, they are reminders to us, they are trumpets, that there's a greater destruction that is to come. These are warnings to repent. These are warnings to turn to the Lord in faith before it is too late. Many people will say, one day I'll get more serious. One day. One day I'll follow Jesus. But this is a warning that we do not know how much longer we have. One day. All of these things we see in the news are precursors. They're trumpets saying a day of judgment is coming. Brothers and sisters, this, this world is not going to just continue on endlessly. There is coming an end. There is coming a day when Christ will return. Now, as believers in Christ, there's a, there's a sense in which we should be strengthened by this. We should be encouraged by this. Aren't you glad that, that life in this fallen world will not go on forever? Aren't you thankful that there is coming a day when the Lord Jesus will return and a, and a day of final justice is coming? Three young women stood up here this morning 
And they, they publicly said, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. I love him. I want to follow him. And all of us know too well, it's not always easy to follow Jesus. This world will mock our faith. This world will trample upon God's truth. And as we saw last Sunday morning, there's a lot of things in this life that just make us sigh. Sin in our world, sin in our own lives. And we sigh. But these trumpets are saying to us something so important. This this will not go on like this forever. There's an end. In addition to that, we because we are in Christ, we, we don't need to fear the judgment. Christian, you are secure in your Savior's love. He will keep you. He will, as we sing, he will hold me fast. He will protect you and preserve you from the evil one. You will not ultimately fall away from him. In fact, there's, a, there's another really interesting parallel between the, the seven trumpets here in Revelation and the plagues in Egypt. So if you have your Bible, if you would turn over to the book of Exodus, second book of the Bible, Exodus chapter 8. Exodus chapter 8. And notice verse 20. This is the fourth plague. Exodus 8, verse 20. And the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people and into your houses, and the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. Now notice this. But on that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen, where my people dwell, so that no swarms of flies shall be there that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Now go over to chapter 9. Look at verse 1. This is the fifth plague. And the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will fall with a very severe plague upon your livestock that are in the field, the horses, the donkeys, the camels, the herds, and the flocks. But, notice, The Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt so that nothing of all that belongs to the people of Israel shall die. Now notice chapter 9, verse 13. This is the seventh plague. God sends hail down upon the Egyptians. And after this hail does tremendous damage. Notice what we're told in chapter 9, verse 26. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, was there no hail. Look at chapter 10, verse 22, the ninth plague. 10.22, so Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days, but all the people of Israel had light where they lived. Then chapter 11, the 10th and final plague, death of the firstborn. Notice verse 6 of chapter 11. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor ever will be again, but, notice, not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast. 
that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. Why do we read all of that? Why did I tell you to turn to all those places? Because God was making a point that his judgment would not fall upon his people. None of the plagues strike them. The flies don't touch them. Their livestock doesn't die. They're safe from the hail. They have light. Their firstborn live. Same thing is true here in Revelation. You remember what we looked at two weeks ago. God says, I have sealed my people. He has sealed us with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee, the guarantee of our future inheritance, Paul says in Ephesians 1. And so that's the first thing about this passage, this this amazing parallel between the plagues of Egypt and the seven trumpets, the first four trumpets especially. Secondly, though, there's a second lesson in this passage. And that is that God is warning us not to find our security in the things of this world. Not to find our security, our meaning, our purpose, our hope in the things of this world. The things of this life are fleeting. They don't last. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Houses can be destroyed by fire. Cars can be totaled or eventually just break down. Technology becomes obsolete. Clothes become out of style or they just wear out. Children, what about your toys? Your toys can be a lot of fun to play with, but eventually they break. They don't last forever. The trumpets remind us not to hold too tightly to the things of this world. Hold them very loosely. In addition, notice back to Revelation 8. Notice what verse 8 says of Revelation 8. Second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. Did you know that in the Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah, did you know that in the Old Testament, mountains were used as symbols of earthly kingdoms? And I think that's what we're being told here in Revelation 8. The picture here is that that no king, no kingdom, no nation can stand against the Lord. Earthly nations, earthly kingdoms come and go. And ultimately, God will crush to pieces all the earthly kingdoms of this world. That's why Psalm 18, or Psalm 118 says, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Government has its proper place. Politicians have their proper place. And we ought to pray for and, and, and work for godly politicians. But they are not our Savior. They are not our ultimate hope. Eventually, we're going to get to the seventh trumpet in chapter 11. And, and when that seventh trumpet is blown, there will be a loud exclamation from heaven. 
The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. That's the kingdom we put our hope in. We're reminded of that this morning in these professions of faith, weren't we? Parents who pour their lives into the faithful training of their children because they know that there's a better kingdom than any earthly kingdom. There's a better king than any earthly king. That's why we train and disciple and, 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 and encourage our children to follow the Lord Jesus Christ because that is the only kingdom that will endure forever. That's the kingdom we put our hope in. All other kingdoms, like a mountain on fire, is going to be thrown into the sea at the end of time. So those are the first four trumpets. For the unbeliever, this is a warning. If there are any of you here this morning or any of you watching on live stream and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is a warning to you to flee to him, to find refuge from the coming judgment in him, and to know, as the Bible says, he will save to the uttermost all who come to him in faith. For the believer, this is a helpful encouragement for us this morning. We're being encouraged here not to place our ultimate trust in the things of this world because they're not going to last. Not to place our ultimate trust in the, in the kingdoms of this world because they're not going to last. And we're being encouraged to remember that, that things will not go on as they are forever and ever and ever. One day, brothers and sisters, our Savior will return Justice will be served. We will be given our, our final and eternal inheritance. And so press on, Christian. Press on with that knowledge in your head that Jesus is coming one day. Not just for the three young ladies who profess their faith, but all of us to press on. Don't grow weary in doing good. The Lord has sealed you. And he will bring to completion the good work that he has begun in your life. And so as we see these devastating events on our earth, they are trumpet calls, warnings. Run to Jesus before it's too late. And they are encouragements to us that one day we will meet him. One day we will see him face to face. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the encouragement, the challenge it gives to us. Lord, we confess that often we are fearful and anxious about the future. We confess that too often we hold tightly to the things of this world. Lord, help us by your spirit to rest in the fact that one day justice will be served. One day we will be taken to our eternal home. And as we wait for that day, Lord, help us to invest our lives in the things of your kingdom. We thank you again for the wonderful reminder of 
the importance of investing our lives in our children this morning. And we again pray for these three young ladies. We pray for those who will profess their faith in the weeks to come, that they too would live their lives for your glory and honor. 